week, you know what I mean? It's been a great Sunday so far already, but, uh, you know, we're, we're going to continue as we've been doing. We're in the book of Esther, and uh, today we're at chapter 3. Um, you know, I promise today we'll cut it down like Mike is looking at me. Hour and a half sermon today, okay? That's it. I won't go two hours. Don't worry, man. So um, won't you guys join me in prayer, and we'll get into this. Lord God, we thank you. Wow, we're a people that are so blessed. So blessed. Lord, if I pause and just take a moment to think about the ways that you have been so good to me, that moment will turn into just, man, forever, Lord. Day after day, moment after moment, you've been so good to me. Lord, this morning, we need a touch from you, Lord. Again, we need... Uh, just a, a fresh renewal from your spirit. So, God, we, we say, please speak to us through your word. Lord, we just pray for a, a, just a fresh outpouring of your spirit, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, like I said, we're in Esther 3. And, uh, you know, Esther is an amazing book of the Bible, one of my favorite books. Uh, you know, I think it really shows how we're all called to serve the Lord, wherever we are. You know, we've been talking about this and this idea of calling, and, uh, you know, I really believe that, that wherever you are, wherever you're working, wherever you're living, wherever you're in school, uh, even if you're not living 100% like you should be, even when we're messing up and we're not really following God, does our calling go away? No, it's still there. We're called people, right? And I think Esther is amazing because... Uh, you know, this continues in God's story as we read through the Bible, you know, and it's just a, a re-emphasis of this idea that, you know what, God, his plan's going to succeed. You know, God's going to do it. Like, what he says he's going to do, he's going to do it. It's going to come. And uh, I think it's, it's crazy because, you know, last time, a couple weeks ago when we started this, we gave a little backstory, and, um, you know, we talked about kind of the history before this, but I could have gone even further back, right? I could have gone to Genesis, and when we looked at Genesis, we see that there's this conflict, and we see Adam and Eve, and they're tempted, and they fall. And what happens as, as God comes forward, he makes it known to that serpent that, hey, from this woman, from Eve, from her is going to come uh, this, this Messiah that's going to crush your head. You're going to bite his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And, you know, I really believe that that sets this whole thing in motion, right? And so what do we see? You know, Satan is no dummy. He's pretty smart. He's pretty slick, and he's concerned. And, you know, I really think that as we go through Genesis and we see Cain and Abel, we had these two sons, Adam and Eve, right? And I think, I really think that, man, if you're going to pick one of those sons that the Messiah is going to come from, this person that's going to crush your head, um, it's probably going to be Abel, right? He, he was the, the more obedient son, right? He's the one that was pleased from the Lord. So what happens? I really think that, man, Cain, he has this, this you know, demonic influence. And what does he do? He kills his brother Abel right? He kills his brother Abel. And now, I just imagine with me a little bit. I mean, we're doing a little what we call like midrash, right? Uh, is the, the kind of as rabbis would, would consider their chew on the word. And, and we're thinking, man, that would make sense to me. You know what? We'll go after Abel. 
done deal, right? We're, we're good. But no, Satan doesn't even think about this. There's another son that comes after, Seth, right? So I just see like all these impossible events. We see uh, in Moses' time, when Moses was born, the Pharaoh was saying, hey, kill all the baby boys. Just wipe them all out. And Moses gets through. He's, he's raised in the palace, right? We see this encounter with Pharaoh. We see all these events that are like these impossible situations. And yet God's people are protected. Yet God's people are still here today, right? And so in this story, I think this is just that continuation. As we have talked about before, we have these main characters. We have Esther. Uh, we have Mordecai, who is Esther's older cousin. He has raised Esther uh, like his own daughter. Uh, King Ahasuerus, also known as Xerxes, he basically rules over this kind of known world at that time. There's no limit to his riches. I mean, he has it all, right? We have Haman, this Agagite, who we learned today, he's a most dishonorable dude. He is an enemy of God's people. And remember, there's, uh, like we said in... in in uh, 1 Samuel, we see with King Saul that he was given this task to wipe out the Malachites. And what does he do? He's supposed to wipe them out completely, but he sins a little. He sins a little. He follows most of the order. He eliminates most of them, but he saves some of the goods. And uh, really, a big thing is he spares the king, this King Agag, right? How many of you know that, you know, if we don't obey God, if we are knowingly allowing this sin to creep in, just a little bit of sin, right? I did most of it. Just a little bit of agag in your life. You know, you're setting yourself for, up for bigger problems in the future. And, and that's what we see that generations later, we have these descendants from Saul, we have these descendants from agag, and uh, we have this huge tension that's building up. And of course, the big, one of the big main characters of the story is God, right? So real quick pop quiz, how many times is God mentioned in this book? Dan raises hand, all right. Zero. Zero times. Zero times God is not mentioned in this book, right? One of two books in the Bible that, that God is not mentioned specifically, but we know that he is present. Okay, so fast paraphrase, this is my own summary uh, in case you forgot the previous chapter, it's kind of like if you're like watching shows on Netflix, you know, you go to the next episode, there's that kind of annoying like recap, but it's also kind of helpful because you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that part. Uh, it kind of helps you follow along in the story, right? So Esther 1, we meet King Xerxes, Ahasuerus, he's all powerful, pretty much controls all the known world at the time. He had a crazy party for six months. Uh, he's showing off all his wealth and part of that is his wife. Uh, so he summons Queen Vashti, says, hey, come, you know, I want to show you off. And she, uh, she does what? She declines the request. She disobeys him, and so he gets rid of her. Now, Esther 2, last week, the man who had it all, he has no queen. So King Xerxes is kind of sad. He got rid of Vashti. He's, man, what are we going to do? We're going to have this beauty pageant. We're going to go throughout the kingdom and these young virgins are taken up and brought, prepared, and then brought before the king. Out of all these women, he decides to take a beautiful Jewish girl named Esther. He makes her his queen. And uh, again, Esther is this young Jewish girl who she had lost her parents when she was young, and her cousin Mordecai is taking care of her. At the end of that chapter last week, the pastor Toby talked about, 
you know, we, we close that out with this, this uh, thing where, where Mordecai, he's a good citizen. He sees a plot on the king's life, and he thwarts it. He stops that plan. So the king is saved, and what happens? The ki- king writes down his name in this book of Chronicles of these are people that have, have helped out the king, but he doesn't get a thank you. He gets no reward. He gets nothing for this good deed that he's done. That brings us to Esther chapter 3. So you can follow along with me. I'm in the English Standard Version. Whatever version you have, uh, please follow along. It says, After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman the Agagite, son of Hamadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman. Or Haman. The king had also commanded concerning him, but Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, and he would not listen to them, they told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told him that he was a Jew. So here we see this man Haman, the Agagite, he's elevated by the king. He's put into this place of power, right? This place, is, he's a vizier, a king's advisor. He's basically, he's put up to Jafar status, <laughs> right? If you're unfamiliar with Disney movies, that's Disney Aladdin. <laughs> Go watch it and look for similarities, right? So he is like <laughs> Jafar in this story. And, uh, you know, these guys, uh, you know, they were Persians, they weren't Asians, they weren't Japanese, they were not people that would just bow all the time, right? So this idea, you know, I really think that as you study this, this idea that they would bow down before him, who would they bow down to? Deities, right? And we know that a lot of these kings, they would kind of be like, man, we're like living gods, right? And so uh, as Haman is elevated up, and now he's like, man, you're so close to the king, people are going to bow down to you because you represent me, Right? And that's where we find Mordecai, and Mordecai, uh, you know, he won't bow down. And he's saying, why? Because he's a Jew. Now, Jews, they don't have a problem bowing down to their kings. In fact, the Bible has several passages where we have Jews bowing down to the king. And there's no problem. There's no like, hey, they bowed down and the lightning bolt came and, you know, whatever. No, that did not happen. It's because they're bowing down like to a god, to an idol, to someone of that that this is not cool. So, so Mordecai does not bow down. Right? Verse 5, And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury, but he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai throughout the whole kingdom of King Ahasuerus. Now, Haman is trying to see why is this guy not bowing to me, right? Why is he not bowing like everyone else? Oh, it's because he says he's a Jew. And this guy has a crazy temper. We know that. He goes from zero to 100 real quick, and he's just like, okay, we're going to kill them all, right? Verse 7, in the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the 12th year of King Ahasuerus, they cast pur, which is they rolled the dice or did the Ouija board, that type of a thing. They're they're uh, trying to get an answer from spirits. So before Haman, day after day, they cast it month after month till the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. 
Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws. So that is not to the king, so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, The money is given to you, the people also, to do with them as it seems good to you. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the 13th day of the first month, and an edict, this command, according to all that Haman commanded, was written to the king's satraps and the governors over all the provinces and to the officials of all the peoples, to every province in its own script and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces to, with instruction to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the peoples to be ready for that day. The couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Shusha was thrown into confusion. So one of the things that I like to do, um, some of you know this because you, you've gone out with me, is you know I enjoy playing basketball, always have, and it's uh, one of the things I, st- I still do today. In fact, I, I have a game tonight at 6 p.m. You want to come up to Arcadia, <laughs> you can watch us. Uh, but we have good fun, and uh, you know most Sunday nights I, ha- I have games, and um, you know that's kind of closer to where we used to live. And one of the things is that as I drive up there, uh, and if you've lived in the SGV, if you've gone through uh, Hambra, Monterey Park, San Gabriel, that whole surrounding area, if you live there, you know that they're known for the great drivers. (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm all against, like, stereotypes and all that kind of thing, but after living there for so long, it's like, man, I don't know. It just kind of... It's hard. You got to be careful, right? So I had this thing kind of set into me. And the, the other day when I was up there, you know, there was this person in front of me. They were driving like three miles below the speed limit. It's crazy bad, right? You're just like, come on, man. So I'm like, oh my goodness, this is nuts, you know? And so finally an opening comes and I, 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 I safely signal, and I turn my lane, and I go the speed limit, right? And I, I pass this person, and what do I do? I'm thinking in my head, man, no offense to you guys, but I'm thinking, man, this has got to be some old Asian lady driving or <laughs> some foreign Asian. I mean, it's just, that's my experience. And, and, I, and, and hey, come on, I, I've almost been hit several times. I know people that have been hit uh, crossing the street, and it's just, I've seen a lot of accidents. It's it's real out there, okay? So <laughs> I was passing this person. I'm like, man, who is? And then I'm like, oh, middle-aged white guy. Like, <laughs> you know, and I just felt like God was like, like, look at, look at you. Come on, Pastor Phil. 
Like, come on, like, you look at, what are you doing? You know, you got this in your heart, and it's like, sorry, Lord, sorry, Lord. Uh, just, God, just please help our team to still win today, and I'm really sorry. But, you know, it's easy for that to creep in, right? It's easy for you to, to kind of get these assumptions about people. Maybe you have one experience. You know, I think Haman had this one experience He's like, man, this dude Mordecai, he's disrespecting me. As he begins to learn why is he doing it, he's saying it's because he's a Jew. He's saying it's part of his, his culture, his religion, they had their, their laws that they have. They can't bow down. So he says, man, all of them, all of them, as a people, we're going to get rid of them all. Right? And think about it. As, as Haman comes before the king, I mean, if, you have, if you're a king and you have an advisor coming to you and saying, hey, we got this big problem. These people, they're not making you any money. They're not profiting you to let them live. In fact, they probably don't pay taxes. They don't bow down. They don't do any of this stuff. So what can we do? We can get rid of them. And you know what we can do when we get rid of them? We'll take all their stuff. And that's how we'll get money out of this. right? It just makes sense. So, of course, the king is like, oh, that's, man, good job. Great solution. You know, and so what do they do? They, he puts it into writing, sends it off, sit down, and they have drinks. It was a good day. They got something done, right? He does not take the time to investigate. He does not take the time to qualify this advice to see, is that true? Is there really a people group living in my empire that is no good for me? They're not profiting me. They're not giving me taxes. They're not, you know, helping our economy. They're not, they're just... On their own, they're these rogue, scattered people. No, he just says, "Oh, yeah, sounds good. Let's let's do it. No problem." Right? And then this 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 whole like this thing is just sent out. We also have the people. It says that the people in the capital they were in bewilderment, or they were confused, or they were just like, "What is going on?" Because they realized. This is crazy. The king has just sent out a decree for genocide. Why? This is crazy, right? Haman's hatred, his pride, his um, just you know his his feeling of of not having that respect and that power has driven him to this extreme. Yes. But to this point of, man, I'm going to do something about everyone. I'm going to just, we're going to get rid of them all. We're going to take care of this problem. On the other side, we mentioned there was Mordecai. Mordecai, he, maybe he's not that old. He is older than Esther. Uh, you know, we, all, we, we know that most likely about 70 years before this time, you know, the people should have been going back. They should have been going back to Jerusalem. They should have been helping Nehemiah. They should have been building that wall, rebuilding the city. But still, we see all these Jews in Persia. And when I put that together with, with, with how Haman is saying, hey, we're going to wipe them out and then we'll take their stuff. That means they had stuff to take, right? So I can imagine that, that they're in Persia they probably have done pretty good for themselves in that time of being away. They're set up nicely. Why wouldn't they return to Jerusalem? Whether that's directly a choice of Mordecai or his parents, we don't know. But I think that here we have Mordecai. 
And I believe that God is doing something in his life that as we progress through this book, we see him grow. We see him grow in his boldness to stand. We see him grow in his willingness to follow God, you know, to risk everything, right? But Mordecai, he makes a decision. He says, this is not right. This is not right. He could have easily just bowed down and get on with his day, right? But he makes a scene and he does not bow. He stands up. He does the righteous thing. He stands up and he says, I can't bow. It's against my beliefs. Right? I think this is, a, a, is really a, a reminder to me that, you know, it's crazy that we have these opposites, right? But we can probably identify to each of these people at some point in our life or at some point through our week. That we can be people that, that are, you know, we're frustrated with somebody. And maybe we're people, we have our own uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of tainted view of the world. Maybe we had a bad experience with uh, a certain race. Maybe we had a certain type of food. Maybe a certain type of whatever. And we just generalize and think, man, I'm not going to go to that place. Or I'm not going to deal with those people. Or I'm not going to deal with that person. We get these prejudices built up. And we need to check our heart. We need to say, Man, is there a little bit of Haman in my life? You know? The other hand is, is, you know, when I think about Mordecai and I think about that possibility that, yeah, maybe he was a guy that was enjoying his life, that knew he had a higher calling to follow God, but I don't know where his heart was at. Maybe he was wrestling with that. He's made it this far as someone at the city gates. There hasn't been a problem with him you know, hey, he hasn't gotten kicked out and like, hey, you're not bowing to people? But now he's taking a stand, right? To me, that's just an encouragement because wherever you're at, wherever we're at, God can use us. All we need to do is, is turn to him. And it, as he begins to speak to us, that we take that next step, we take that one decision, right? Our life is, is this culmination of these small moments, right? And in that moment, Mordecai takes a stand. So as, as we close out, you know, here's your weekly challenge. You guys can take a picture. It's probably faster, but if you got good handwriting, write it down real quick in the notes section of your bulletin. Um, you know, here we, we uh, you know that our, vi- our um, vision is to know God, to grow with him, and to overflow, that we would affect those around us. So uh, know you're going to read Esther 1 through 3 this week. Um, you know, especially uh, chapter 3, and uh, just go through that. You know, I encourage you as you grow to consider who do you relate to in this passage of Esther? You find yourself identifying like I did, you know, uh, to uh, the Haman or to Mordecai, or maybe you think of yourself as these people that have witnessed this decree. As we read the story, we don't see like, hey man, there was a big riot and all the people said that's a stupid law, I can't believe you do that, we're going to revolt. No. It just says, man, they were confused, they were upset, and as we continue on, we'll see that the people are mourning, but what is being done? Right? Do you see something happening before you? Are you not doing anything? And then overflow. Yeah, I think this is really important. I encourage you guys to pray to God, ask Him where you need to grow in love for others. We always need to grow, right? But where do you need to grow in love for others? Pay attention to the moments this week when you find yourself upset and make an effort to change your heart 
towards, uh, typo there, but towards challenging people you might face. Right. So let's pray, and, and team, you guys can come up again. Lord God, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this book of Esther, Lord. Thank you how, even though we've read it, some of us many, many times, and some of us this is fresh in our, in our, in our ears, that, that you can speak through your word. So, Lord, we, we, uh, we invite you to examine us. Lord, we say, please help us to check our hearts. Help us to check our hearts that we might be people that, that are able to say, yes, I'm doing my best. I am doing my best to follow after God, to love those that he's placed before me, and to make an impact in my family and in my world. Lord, I thank you because we know that you are good. We know that the fields are ripe for harvest, that you've called us as workers, that wherever we're at in the workplace, uh, whether we're you know, a student in school, whether we are uh, you know, at home taking care of our kids, you know, whatever we're doing, Lord God, you have called us to be your representatives, to be your children, to tell the world about our Father, our Daddy, that loves us and loves everyone. So, Lord, we thank you for that, and we praise your name today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Phil, for that message from God's Word. As we conclude our time together, let's all just stand one more time as we give God again the praise and the glory this morning. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, thy hour I first believed. My chains are gone. Word, my hope secure. 
for this morning as you have reminded us to examine our hearts to bring it before you God so as we go before this week from here help us to continue to represent your heart represent your love in the worlds that we live in in the areas that we go to Lord thank you for this church thank you for those who are gathered today thank you for those who are going out and planning a church thank you for those who are going out to different countries to do your work thank you for those who are here to go and bring back your gospel message to their families this week into their workplace into their schools and everywhere else God I pray help us to be rejoicing in you always Lord once again we thank you for this time do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. May that be our prayer this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Good to see the